if I find this perfect spot to do this, this painting of this dune in the beach, it might end up being a painting of something that's behind me that I, I wasn't even thinking of painting. So I never really know until I kind of get there what it's going to turn into. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 192nd episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Francis Sills, who comes to us from Charleston, South Carolina. In the episode, of course, we're going to talk all about observational painting and drawing and various bodies of work that Francis has produced over the years. So please stay tuned for that interview coming up shortly. Before we get to that, I do want to encourage any students to apply to our 2018 student competition. Once again, that is open to all currently enrolled or recently graduated undergraduate and graduate level studio artists. You can find the information right there on studiobreak.com under our student competition. Once again, the process is quite simple. You submit a web link or 10 images and an artist statement as a PDF and a small fee, and you are set. This year's juror is Brian Frank of Raka or Rural America Contemporary Art. He's also a wonderful artist and painter, and we're very excited to have him select three artists from each of those categories, undergraduate and graduate, for a total of six to be featured on Studio Break. So if you want to share your work, please apply today and let anyone else know that might be interested to get their applications in. If you're listening to Studio Break for the very first time, I do want to encourage you to check out some of the other podcast episodes you might have missed out on. Again, we've got a big, healthy archive on studiobreak.com. Each of our posts have images of the artist's work, links to their websites for more information, and of course, you can follow us in a number of social media platforms, so please be sure to like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and of course, on Instagram, at Studio underscore Break, so please do that. And with our announcements out of the way, here is our interview with Francis Sills. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. Francis Sills, how are you this morning? I'm good, David. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. And again, you kind of know how this goes now because uh, yeah. <laughs> we've had some practice. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, where, where are we speaking with you from today? Just outside Charleston, South Carolina, in Mount Pleasant, where I live now. Right on, right on. And are you from the, the East Coast originally? Um, originally, I'm from the Northeast. So I grew up in New Jersey, and central New Jersey, about 30 miles west of New York City. And then I lived in Brooklyn for a while. Right on, right on. In terms of just, uh, you know, art development as, as a kid, um, what, kind of, what kind of things... Uh, were you interested in in terms of growing up? Well, I had always done art in some form or another from as far back as I can remember. So from an early age, as soon as I could pick up a pencil or a crayon, I remember drawing being a big part of my childhood. So, you know, four or five years old, I remember drawing a lot. Most, you know, stuff that most kids draw, uh, dinosaurs, monsters, houses, buildings, Godzilla, stuff like that. Star Wars, you know, I was really into the Star Wars movies. I went through a phase where I was really into learning about special effects and puppetry and that kind of stuff when I was maybe eight, nine, ten years old. I remember taking lessons with this guy, learning how to do special effects. So I would do things like that, you know, instead of 
instead of buying the Star Wars toys, I would make them out of cardboard and play with them that way. So it was always, I was always creative, I guess, and, and working with my hands and, and artistic. Sure, sure. Well, and so in terms of kind of thinking about that moving forward, um, you know, were you, you know, kind of interested then in, in the arts when you got into high school, thinking about, you know, like, how could I, <laughs> you know, find a path forward in this? Right, right. Um, well, I, you know, like I said, it was always something that I was good at. And I realized that I was, I was kind of better at drawing than, than my peers. And I always got encouragement from, from my parents. And uh, my grandfather was a, was an artist too. So it was definitely accepted and uh, encouraged. I going into, you know, middle school, I was just going into high school. I had a really good art teacher, Patricia Gatons, and I had really good facilities, really good program. I got exposed to a lot of stuff and did a lot of really good projects. You know, I was taking APR classes when I was in high school so I was very fortunate in this, in that sense that I, that I was able to have a good teacher, have a good program, was in close proximity to New York City. So we, I remember going on field trips and going to museums and galleries and seeing stuff. So I, I definitely, I didn't realize it at the time, probably the extent of it, but I did have a very good art upbringing or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In terms of like, you know, illustration and, and kind of thinking about it as a more practical way, you know, was yeah. that something then as you're kind of, you know, thinking about college and, you know, kind of further down the line, something that you, you know, were thinking about this, how I can pursue this? You know, I, I remember being into Edward Hopper in high school. That's definitely one of the artists I remember seeing and, and kind of liking. So I knew that, you know, going into college, I, you know was going to go probably steer towards the illustration, uh, major. That's kind of what I did. I, you know, the freshman year of college was a foundation program at Syracuse where I went, did my undergrad. And, and a lot of my work at that point was based on photography. So it was a matter of either, you know, taking photographs or finding photographs and then, and then copying them. So I was definitely like in that mode of illustrative sort of procedure or production as it were. And I like those kind of artists and that work is, is stuff that I kind of gravitated towards. So that, that's kind of what I, I figured I was going to do when I went in, you know, into school. I didn't have to, I think, declare a major until I was a sophomore, but, um, that, fa- that foundation year was, I was kind of exposed to a lot of different stuff. And I, you know, I felt like I, I had such a good high school art program that I was a lot of that stuff that I did in my foundation year was very repetitive. So mm-hmm. I kind of goofed off a little bit, you know, like most college freshmen do anyway, but, um, that was my rationale. Sure. Sure. Well, and I'm curious too, to think about it relative to that. I mean, in, in terms of illustration, I mean, were there things that you kind of thought about relative to like what it would mean in terms of your kind of pursuing someone else's, I guess, creative ideas as opposed to yours? Right. Well, yeah, I guess I just had a very unrealistic expectation of of when I got into the illustration program that it was, you know, we would sort of maybe read a story and then just like, you know, dive right into like making whatever pictures we want. So, I mean, I guess that's the ultimate goal. If you're doing illustration after 25 or 30 years, that's that's what happens. But a lot of it was 
with stuff that I kind of wasn't interested in. I got it, you know, when I was when I was doing the sort of illustration projects, I got I got kind of bored with it, I guess. Disillusioned. And I was at the same time when I was at Syracuse taking, you know, while I was doing the illustration classes. I was also doing figure drawing because um, I really wanted to learn how to draw from observation. So I, that that definitely wasn't sort of a strong point. Like I said, I was mostly copying from photographs going from sort of 2D to 2D. And then I, what I really got interested in was, was the figure and drawing, learning how to draw from observation. And I was taking a painting classes. And what happened was I, is like my sophomore year, this is about 1993, 1993 or 94. So we took a trip to New York City from Syracuse and we saw there was a Lucian Freud exhibit, a, re a big retrospective. And that just blew my mind that uh, like that, I was just so floored by that work. And I still love, I love Lucian Freud's work. I think it's amazing, but I, I just never really kind of been exposed to like a contemporary painter, like a contemporary realist painter that was hanging in a, in a, in a museum like the Met. And I just was like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I was very in sort of enthralled with the, the romance of, of being an artist painter in his toiling way in his studio, um, <laughs> trying to depict reality, you know, uh, that very sort of bohemian lifestyle kind of just hit me at the right time. So that, that just like changed that, that was a big changer right there. So I went back home and I think I told my parents, I said, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to major in painting. I want to change my major to fine arts. And they were kind of like, okay. Right. <laughs> um, a little scary, you know, at least illustration, there was a little bit more of a, there was a little bit more of the job prospectus on the horizon. So whether that was doing computer work or graphic design or advertising and stuff like that. So, so anyway, I changed my major to painting and, uh, just kind of dove right in trying to, trying to figure out this thing, this thing called painting. So that was, that was a big, that was a big uh, moment right there. And was your like drawing background kind of helpful in terms of exploring that? I was always like a natural drawer as it were. So, um, I don't know. I, th I had a big problem with color, learning color and, and, and how to sort of translate that into paint. Uh, that was sort of more of a learned thing, but the drawing, you know, I, I'd always kept up drawing and I was always sketching and drawing things. And that, that just definitely just amped up. You know, I started really getting into figure drawing, especially after seeing the, the Lucian Freud show with the subject matter being what he paint, painted and drew. So I definitely was, was trying to figure that out and drawing. And I was doing probably three days a week, I was doing figure drawing sessions, uh, whether it was in class or outside of class. So that fed into my painting. Um, but like I said, it was very hard for me to, to kind of grasp the color. So I, it took me a, a little while to do that and to really kind of study color theory. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't come naturally. That's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. Right. Well, and so, you know, in terms of kind of thinking about that experience, I mean, you kind of then wrapped up kind of exploring this like artist in the studio kind of portraiture slash, you know, observational based painting. Yeah. So my my work during undergrad was all in that sort of um, that sort of genre or subject matter. It was the figure figure in the studio portraiture, the figure in 
uh, not really in the landscape, but I guess in the in interiors and things like that. So I I was exposed to like you know at the, around the same time I started I really got into Giacometti. So I started like one of my teachers gave me that little uh, book that James Lord wrote about sitting for Giacometti. So I was all into that, and I went through a sort of a Giacometti phase for about a year or so, and 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 you and Uglo's work um, and Cezanne was really big and I was studying Cezanne's work and I had a, a pretty influential teacher too at the time which was uh, Jerome Witkin and he was at Syracuse and he was a teacher there so if you know his work um, he you know is the narr- the figure and narrative painting very big sort of heroic subject matter really large paintings and sort of the grand tradition of, of narrative painting. Um, so I came definitely under the influence of that. And I was again, doing a lot of figure drawing with in Jerome's class. I took an anatomy class with Jerome, which was, was really profound. So most of my work during grad school was, was based on the figure, you know, observational realist, if that's, you know, the word you want to use. Um, work and so in terms of kind of like bottling up that experience um did you kind of then know immediately that you needed to to pursue like a a master's degree i knew eventually i don't know i didn't really know what i was going to do actually <laughs> when i graduated i knew uh, so i knew paintings. i wanted to keep painting you know and i wanted to i moved home so i moved back to new jersey and i lived with my parents for three or four months and then i kind of was like i gotta get out of here so right. i wanted to move to new york so that was Again, sort of like fit in with this romantic sort of uh, bohemian artist moving to the city. And I, you know, I kind of would go into the, you know, as a kid going into Manhattan a lot. So I kind of it was a known thing. And and I wanted to just jump right into that world of, of being exposed to art and galleries and, and making work and that whole thing. So I uh, moved to Brooklyn. Um, I got a job doing basically a. Uh, I kind of fell into this decorative painting world, which I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know anything about, but I, I got a job working for a, a wallpaper company that was in Manhattan and it was a studio. It was all hand painted wallpaper. Um, and I, I was the color mixer. So I would sit there at this little table and this bench and mix large vats of paint for hours on end, adjusting the color incrementally with, with tints to match these master swatches, which then would go over to the production crew and they would do that. So it was, you know, it's kind of like what I needed at the time. It really helped me with my color theory and my uh, sort of practical color, color experience with paint. And uh, I did that for a while and I was working at a furniture company in Long Island City for a couple of years doing faux finishing. So I would do you know, they would be stuffed cast in resin, furniture and light fixtures. And then they had a sort of an art department that would paint it to look like marble or bronze or wood graining and stuff like that. So I kind of learned these sort of like practical things. This is kind of my day job. And I, I worked for a company doing murals and plaster finishes, did a lot of like Venetian plaster wall finishes. And then so while I was doing that, like during the day, I was doing like a day job. And then I would come back. I had a sort of fell into this really spacious uh brooklyn railroad apartment and where i could have my studio in the front and then i could live in the back so i had a studio space where i could do work and i pretty much built a body of work it was kind of an extension of what i was doing in undergrad so i was i was mostly still working with the figure 
I started doing like the figure in sort of different spaces, environments, like urban. I was really into this sort of urban decay of the subways and like this sort of graffiti and sort of crumbling urban detritus that I was seeing and, and working kind of large scale, still again, sort of under the sway of Jerome Witkin. And so I made up a, a big body of work and eventually I decided I, I was going to go back to, to grad school because I wanted to get my, my master's so I would have the option to teach. And that's what I did. I applied. Uh, so I took about three years off in between. And then so in 1999, I started at Parsons. So I applied to a few schools. I, had pars- I knew I wanted to stay in, in New York because at that point I was, I was, uh, I was definitely really into to living in the city and in, in Brooklyn. So I applied to Parsons, Pratt, SVA, and then I applied to Pennsylvania Academy. Um, and I got into all those except SVA. So I didn't want to move. So I didn't go to, I didn't, you know, I didn't go for Pennsylvania Academy. Pratt had a little bit of a bigger grad program. And then Parsons had this really small, intimate grad program that was 12 to 15 students. And, uh, I just, I went with that and I got, um, and I just got a good vibe from visiting the school and the location and the teachers and all that stuff. In terms of graduate school, you know, it's always kind of an interesting uh, period of time because people, you know, will inevitably come in with this body of work or, you know, you know, something that they've kind of been pursuing for a while. And, you know, usually they try to, you know, throw lots of curveballs and, and make you try to hit them. Um, so what was that experience like in terms of getting initial feedback? And Well, yeah, so I applied to Parsons with this figurative work. And at the time, the, the head of the grad school painting department was Regina Gran and she was of a very similar camp as to what the kind of work that I was doing sort of figurative observational based stuff so she was really into my work when I applied and so I think she kind of like wanted me in the mix of 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 having that sort of kind of work and she even told me you know she's like you're you're gonna get a lot of of kickback pushback from this this kind of work you know um, this was like the late nineties. And so there was a lot of video and installation work was really kind of getting, getting a little bit more prevalent. And it was just, it was, you know, something that I kind of like, uh, kind of abandoned when I got there for whatever reason, I, I knew I wanted to like kind of change my work a little bit. That was another reason why I didn't want to go to the Pennsylvania Academy. Cause I, I kind of felt like it was just going to it was going to kind of continue this this sort of line of work of this kind of narrative painting that that I was under the influence with Jerome in Syracuse. So anyway, I went to grad school and I my work trained like changed drastically. Like it was like pretty much all over the place. You know, part of it was me experimenting. Part of it was me not really knowing myself. And part of it was me just being exposed to other work, you know, through my peers, through my teachers, through the stuff that I was seeing in galleries and work at the time. So I was kind of all over the place. You know, I was when I moved to Charleston, I went through my studio and looked kind of went through all my grad school work. And, you know, I kept about 10 percent of it. But a lot of it, a lot of it was was bad. And a lot of it was just not relevant to what I'm doing now at all. But I thought of it as more of a, like, this was a time for me to really experiment, which I didn't do too much with at Syracuse. A lot of it was sort of like to just technique based, which I guess is probably what you're supposed to learn in undergraduate anyway. It's just like how to paint. It wasn't like what to paint. It was just like how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I really was kind of all over the place. 
and I always felt like I, I kind of betrayed Regina a little bit. I, I had kind of kept in touch with her after after grad school, and I, my work sort of came sort of full circle and back to the stuff that I'm doing now. And she she saw it on Facebook, and she said something that's sort of like kind of a cryptically like, "Now that you know where you're going, we'll see where you wind up," or something like that. Right. Like, so it was kind of funny, you know, but she kind of knew that I was sort of, you know, I, I felt like I sort of like, but be- was like kind of betraying myself a little bit, but I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. So anyway, but my work in grad school was like kind of all over the place. And I was basically like really investigating like mark making different types of mark making. And I, w- I was doing a lot of like collage work and uh, I had a roommate and she gave me her old photocopier. And so I was doing these images that were kind of being manipulated through a photocopying machine. And then I would, I would do these kind of like photocopy transfers and then like paint into them. And, uh, some of it was cool, but again, I couldn't, and it wasn't, it wasn't really me. It took me a while to kind of figure that out, like until years after leaving grad school. Um, so my work was a lot different. When I show people my work from grad school, they're like, well, like that's you, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and so in terms, I guess, before we kind of leave that experience for a little bit, so then you're kind of predominantly painting what in terms of representation, you know, like for, say, your thesis exhibition? Oh, yeah, my thesis exhibition. So like the last semester I was there, so I started doing these little like wall installations. So I do these like photocopied, manipulated images, and then I would kind of pin them to the wall. And they were sort of like loosely based on these like images of like fish and little animals and creatures and stuff. But they were kind of abstract. So I I started doing these installations and then I started drawing them. So I started setting them up and then I was I was drawing them and sort of drawing from observation. And I was able to kind of like that was a good moment for me. I really like I made this good body of work and that was kind of like my end of the year thesis was that. And I got a really good feedback from it, from from crits and some from visiting faculty and everything. And I kind of left school with that, you know, and I was just sort of like, you know, you go back out into the world and it's like, okay, this really intense two year period where you're being exposed to so much, reading so much, taking all these different classes, learning critical theory and philosophy and um, contemporary art making. And it took a while to kind of like sort of like pull what I needed out from that. So that was kind of like where I left off. And I, and I sort of continued that a little bit after grad school, like kind of doing that. And I just, I couldn't sustain it. You know, I couldn't, I realized that I needed to look at stuff and kind of react to the, react to the subject matter or the motif. And I couldn't like, uh, I couldn't work like say a de Kooning where, you know, you're just kind of like facing the void of the canvas and kind of like pulling out abstraction from yourself. Like I needed to kind of have something to observe and to work observationally. So it took me a while to figure that out. But now that I know, I mean, there's endless possibilities for me there. Sure, sure. And so what did you wind up then doing right away? Did you start, I, I believe you said at some point that you're, you know, currently teaching, but did you kind of pursue that since, you know, that was, right. that's the big, that's the big carrot for graduates. Yeah, just I get know, a job right, right I away teaching. I went back to go to, to grad school to get the, the, the teaching certificate. And I, and I did a little bit afterwards. I did, they had like a, Parsons had like a pre-college summer thing where you could teach like a six week class to sort of like graduating high school students. And I did that for like two summers, but I had the, 
I had the skills to do the decorative painting and working in a studio. So I, I kind of like didn't pursue the teaching. You know, I kind of was just like, eh, I don't really know if I want to do this. Uh, I can work doing this kind of decorative painting. And I was working for a few different companies in New York. And I eventually I started working with a friend of mine and we started our we started our own company doing decorative painting. Um, a lot of like Venetian plaster and stenciling and, and faux finishing type stuff. So I kind of just like fell back into that and I was able to to work in Manhattan doing that during the day. It was kind of like my day job. And and uh, then I was I had a studio. I, I also I met my wife at Parsons. So she was she was also an artist and a painter. We met in grad school and uh got married after a couple of years after, after I graduated and, uh, and, uh, you know, so we, we got married and we were, we were kind of starting a life together. We ended up, uh, we have three kids now, but you know, we had our first child in 2004. So I was, you know, still just, just making work, uh, doing, doing decorative painting during the day. And gradually my work, was starting to veer, uh, not, not back into like kind of the figurative work, but it was more of the landscape. So I, I had a studio that we both of us had a studio in Gowanus in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, just kind of being surrounded by this, the, again, the sort of the, I'm, I'm always sort of fascinated with the kind of urban and detritus and the sort of the old, uh, industrial Brooklyn, um, was, was starting to become my subject matter. And, I know I was doing like I, I was kind of doing the collage work right after grad school. I remember I was doing I would go to Prospect Park or the Botanic Garden. And I would do these like little sort of observational collages with like colored paper and pastel and and marker. And and then my wife was kind of like, why don't you go out there with an easel, you know, like do a get a she got me a French easel for my <laughs> birthday one year. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because I would just like throw all this, this stuff in my backpack, you know, and like jump on my bicycle and be carrying all this crap around. And I had no idea, like, even what a French easel was, you know, I just was like kind of ignorant about that whole world of like plein air painting, you know. And uh, so I, I got one of those. And then I started doing these paintings uh, around Brooklyn. And I and then I really started getting into uh, I was I was exposed to probably in grad school a little bit before this, but Rackstraw Downs's work and uh, you know, just being kind of blown away by this, this kind of observational, slow, sustained painting, um, and similar subject matter that I was, that I was into. And, and I was really looking at, I saw the movie, uh, I dream of light or the sun, the sun quince, the Antonio Lopez Garcia movie where he paints mm-hmm. the tree. I remember seeing that in grad school at the film forum and, uh, just being like, wow, this is crazy, you know, like beautiful, um, beautiful work. And, uh, it's just kind of like doing then my, my work gradually, you know, kind of shifted into, to doing mostly like urban landscapes, you know, and then I would kind of, because I had this French easel now, I was trying to sort of investigate the, the sort of the history of, you know, plein air painting, which I, I was pretty much ignorant of at the time, you know? So that's kind of what I was doing right after, you know, the, in the years or, or so after grad school. So in terms of these works, are you kind of like painting these urban landscapes, you know, like all small scale then and, and all in the field? Or are you coming back, you know, to the studio to kind of rework things or kind of manipulate, you know, you yeah, know what you base it off a, of? It's a little bit of, of, of everything. You know, I would I was doing smaller scale stuff just because it, it was more practical to transport. But I would do 
kind of larger scale stuff out my studio window, looking at the urban landscape. And I would use photographs too, because that was, um, you know, just easier. A lot of times, you know, things, especially with stuff like clouds and things like that are more transitory in the landscape, but it mostly it was, I would go back if they were larger and I, I did a lot of large scale work like in undergraduate and grad school. And I realized like most people who work large and who don't, don't sell it, that you have to store this stuff eventually. So it became a practical reason for me to kind of like, all right, I got to, you know, scale down my work. Although I really like working large and I've, I've kind of gotten back into that scale now a little bit more, but, um, for the most part, they were sort of easel size, you know, like under, you know, 20 by 30 inches. And a lot of it was, yeah, done on site. And I would go out the larger ones, I would have to kind of go back over multiple sessions and, and work on, and I would work on in my studio. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the work at that point was I would do drawings first and then I would figure out what I wanted the subject matter to be or, you know, how I wanted to crop it. And then I would take the drawing and get, you know, square it up and onto a canvas and then, you know, kind of block it in, in my studio and get it started and then kind of go back out and kind of work, kind of go back and forth between the studio and, and needing to look at it again, looking, looking at the scene again, kind of work that way. And my procedure is changing a little bit more now, but it would start out with drawing and then it would translate into, into a painting. And so I guess, you know, like in terms of thinking about a timeline, um, was it, was it primarily kind of like these, you know, urban paintings, uh, from the city that kind of like led into what looks like, I guess, out of the series, you know, that's up now, uh, it looks like the home series is maybe kind of the oldest kind of going back into the right, early, right. like early 2012s or something like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the timeline too. So I was doing the, <laughs> the, 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 the sort of urban landscape and then. Uh, a lot of it was around the Gowanus Canal, too. So, was, you know, there's always, I feel like there's this sort of school of Gowanus, you know, of subject matter. You kind of, I know where, when I see other artists' work, that I kind of know exactly where it was painted from. But I started doing interiors, too. This was probably about, um, so probably, yeah, 2008, 9, 2010. Mm-hmm. So I, my wife and I, we, we were able to buy this, house and, and this brownstone in Brooklyn. And so in addition to kind of working for myself and my having this decorative painting work and, and we had, we had a kid at, at least when my daughter was born in 2007. So we had a young family and we decided to, I, I renovated this house in Brooklyn, you know, which is like, I don't even know how I did it looking back. But I had no idea what I was doing. So I'm pretty handy. Like I, I kind of like in addition to the decorative painting, like I was doing carpentry stuff and uh, kind of woodworking and stuff like that. So I'm pretty handy. And so I figured out, you know, I was like, I will renovate this house. And so that like sort of subject matter became important to me because I had sort of like poured my soul, you know, and I was having our children there and this young family into our to our house and in Brooklyn. So I started to do paintings of that. So I would do different rooms in our house and sometimes it would have a figure. Uh, sometimes it wouldn't, and sometimes it would just be an empty room or it would have, you know, my children's toys on the floor and and things like that. So I was, I was basically trying, I was, I was starting to paint my life, you know, the stuff that I was seeing around me and things that I kind of encountered every day. And, 
And also, you know, a lot of the urban landscape stuff was the stuff that I would, you know, I would walk to my studio and I would pass by these things like every day and I would sort of see things and I would be like, wow, that would make a really, that would make an amazing painting, you know? So that became the, the most, my life and my, and my environment kind of became my subject matter in that sense. So I was doing, yeah, these interiors and, um, and I still do those. I guess I'm kind of curious too, like thinking back to what you're talking about earlier with the, you know, idea of kind of being, you know, really influenced uh, by Lucian Freud and, you mm-hmm. know, kind of, you know, taking on almost like a persona of someone else's, you know, work. I mean, was it something then too, where you started thinking about it a little bit differently in terms of like, you know, this is an extension of my, you know, my life or, you know, like domesticity. I mean, you, you know, you have all the freedom in the world from, from what I understand, you know, like when you're, you know, without, uh, uh, an, you know, family and people that you have to be responsible for, but I would imagine that also mm-hmm. then kind of, you know, being around the home, you know, those types of subject matters become kind of more engaging and, you know, maybe you start to get you to think about your work a little bit differently, I would imagine. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely like a conscious thing. I mean, I, 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 I respond to that because it, it's very, it seems very authentic to me because this, again, this is the stuff that's like in my life that I'm sort of living in the spaces and the people around me. So, I mean, Lucian Freud, definitely, you know, that was a huge influence. Um, Bonard, you know, that he did all of those paintings around his house and of his wife and, uh, you know, artists like that. I, you know, I started getting interested in say fear, Fairfield Porter's work. When I was in grad school, I wouldn't have done that kind of work because I thought it would have been, I, I don't know, too, I don't know, just not, um, what's the word, just... Uh, hip? Yeah, I mean, Current. it would have been hip, you know, it was very sentimental or whatever, you know, kind of like, oh, geez, you know, what are you painting, you know? pictures of your living room for it's not very heroic and stuff like that so but i like i said when i you know i didn't i didn't know myself i don't really care anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) what what other people think as much so you know part of that is just getting more mature and you know and then having children is a huge thing you know i mean it's they're just it's a lot of this this beautiful experience and it's so stressful and amazing and um kind of life-changing that how could you, you know, how could I not kind of have that come into my work? So, um, it was, it was sort of a convergence of a lot of things. And a, a lot of it too was, you know, it was practical too. So say if I, if I, if I was working all day and I didn't have time to, to paint, I could, I could put in a couple hours in my basement or my living room working on a painting, you know, where I didn't have to, you know, a lot, I couldn't always, you know, my, my painting schedule was a little bit more irregular at that point, you know, with having a young family and, and working full time. And, you know, sometimes I would go a few weeks without, without being able to go into the studio. So if I needed to paint, you know, I could, I go about two weeks and I start to get a little squirrely if I don't draw or paint. So a lot of it was too like, you know, Hey, I'll just start doing a painting of the living room because it's here and I can do it. Well, and so I was thinking about some of these other series then too, like I believe it's the uh, Swamp series then and then the the flora based kind of works then. Are they all kind of then extensions Mm -hmm. of this experience, you know, like where you've got like a garden that you're using as a, you know, place uh, not unlike a a Monet or something like that where you're kind of going out there and being stimulated from that and then kind of being able to have this extension then to go and find these places? 
Yeah. So, you know, I started doing more of the interiors. Like when I moved to Charleston seven years ago, so we, we left Brooklyn, um, and we moved to Charleston and I started doing, I, you know, when I first moved here, I was still doing this sort of the cityscape. So I started painting, doing a lot of stuff in downtown Charleston and, 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 and trying to seek out like more of the industrial stuff. Um, <laughs> there's not as much industrial stuff as there is in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I kind of gradually was like kind of getting away from that subject matter. I just felt like, you know, I was just, I didn't want to be known as like the industrial landscape painter guy, you know? And, um, you know, I started doing, you know, our house and, uh, these sort of domestic interiors. And then I started painting, just exploring the new landscape around Charleston, which was completely different. The light quality is very different here. And, but now I, you know, we have a nice big yard and, and, a nice garden that we've put lots of plants into and my wife has a green thumb so she she can um you know set up all these great uh this great subject matter for me and yeah i've been i've been painting these flowers for the past about year now and uh that's I've kind of gradually been using that as a motif uh just because i i'm liking the forms and the colors i'm really trying to like sort of kind of push my color to be a little bit brighter and and bolder and I was with the swamp ones, like, um, it's funny cause I'll, I'll find different motifs. I tend to work in a series now more. Um, so last year about this time I was, I did all that whole series of those swamp paintings. Um, and you know, they're obviously, you know, that's just, that's just the, the landscape here is, you know, you you come across these kind of blackwater swamps and, uh, cypress and tupelo trees and, um, it really interested me as far as just on a formal level, you know, like the colors and the textures and the shapes, you know, I worked on the, that's that kind of swamp series and I was so into that. And I was really, you know, in addition to kind of working on stuff like close to home and in my house and in my yard, I would, I would kind of like go on these little trips, you know, I would, I would go to these different spots around Charleston and, I was doing these paintings of these, uh, these cypress swamps. And, um, it was funny cause when I was doing these, um, I would, I was kind of like on the same circuit that these like birders are, you know, like the Audubon society, like, uh, that I would see these guys, you know, with the vests and the binoculars and the cameras and everything. And I, I kind of saw them at different locations around Charleston where, I, you know, they would come up to me like, didn't I see you last week at, you know, uh, Caw Caw, you know, interpretive center, this, um, this nature park. And so I was on the same like kind of birding circuit, which I thought was kind of funny. So I did a bunch of those and now I'm working on, I've been doing these floral paintings and, uh, a combination of out in my yard. And I've been also like kind of pulling stuff into my studio too. Um, and, and sort of working, I guess, more of like a still life genre. I would imagine, again, just kind of having all these different bodies of work that you can float through, you know, in terms, again, kind of going back to thinking about that idea of color and color range. I mean, you know, as I was taking notes looking through these, I mean, obviously, like in the swamp paintings, you have, you know, predominantly a lot of these earthy kind of greens and, you know, landscape colors. But then you mm-hmm. kind of go indoors and then it's like, you know, you think about these, you know, kind of wooden, you know, interiors mixed with these colorful objects and then you know with the garden i mean again that kind of almost kind of pushes like you were talking about almost like the the maximum amount of color um and i I believe in some of those paintings too there's more are there more kind of combinations then in terms of how you're 
maybe combining some different factors because they start to kind of almost, you know, in the most recent stuff, almost kind of become almost, you know, a little bit more abstracted or I don't know, even right, more exploratory right. in terms of mark making or, you know, these interesting repeated forms or like mirrors or. I'm starting to explore the idea of this kind of like patterning a little bit more and kind of pushing the colors, trying to like push myself to use colors that I normally wouldn't use like bright oranges and reds. And I think part of that reason of, for me, uh, painting the flowers is to, is to kind of, um, is to kind of use that as a jumping off point with the, the floral, like still life things. And I'm actually starting to do this more outside too, but I, I started to just kind of disrupt and, and kind of fracture the space a little bit more with um, I've been using mirrors and different planes of mirrors kind of going into the space. Um, and I started doing that again to kind of break up the space and to kind of introduce this sort of ambiguous uh, or hard to hard to locate kind of geometry within the more organic shapes. So kind of like the contrast of, of the organic edge and the kind of the straighter, more geometric edges, and also just to multiply the shapes and the colors. Um, so yeah, the last like six months or so I've been, I've been kind of working with setting up these still lives at, with mirrors and um, I'm starting to do it outside now in our garden where I'm, I'm trying to, I guess, yeah, the word is to kind of abstract the space a little bit more mm-hmm. and kind of flatten it out and to kind of disrupt the plane um, and kind of create more of a, a sort of a, a shallower, more fractured space. Well, you know, you talked a little bit before about, you know, preliminary drawings kind of serving as a, a way into the paintings. I mean, are you doing drawings now or what's the process like in terms of like, you know, do you do acrylic underpainting and then paint oils or is it all oils right. or? I've kind of, I'm still drawing a lot. I go through phases where I don't draw for a while and then I'll draw for a lot. So I, at this point, I don't really do drawings in preparation for my paintings anymore. I kind of jump in right when I'm doing a painting. I just jump in with the paint and I kind of use like big chip brushes and and kind of just try to push push the paint around that way without kind of drawing. And then I, at the same time, I'll do drawings. You know, sometimes I'll do charcoal drawings, like sort of larger scale charcoal drawings, like twenty-two by thirty-inch ones. Um, and I'll and I'll constantly be sketching stuff. A lot of the motifs have kind of remained the same over the years. Um, I'll draw trees and and kind of natural forms and and kind of plant life. So I've been doing a lot of that in pencil, mostly in my sketchbook. And then I'll do larger scale charcoal drawings. But I kind of keep them separate like I don't at this point I don't really do studies for paintings I just I just kind of jump in with the paint and try to work kind of boldly and uh, thickly with the paint and not really kind of draw with the paint yeah I was gonna say for me it's interesting to think about that relationship between drawing and painting because for myself Mm. I remember you know a number of years ago I had this you know this summer where I was just really active and going out and painting and I just you know remember kind of like where that process started and then, mm-hmm. you know, where it ended. And it was really odd because I went back and was in class and demoing like how to draw like a charcoal landscape. And I just, as I'm working, I'm just like, wow, this is like, I felt like it was a real similar process to the way that I was working through these, you know, uh, paintings on site. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just, I don't know, it was weird because you have like these experiences where you start thinking about those connections. I mean, is that something, um, 
you know, relative to your, I guess, work, where do you see that intersection in, in terms of where you're at now in terms of painting and drawing? You know, it's funny because I, I've been working for the past couple of years on, I've been painting on paper too. So I started painting on paper and I've always tried to like, you know, I've always wanted to sort of like combine sort of my drawing style with my painting. Like I always, like I said, I was, I was, I always felt like I was a natural drawer. And so I wanted to kind of approach my paintings that way. And I think the solution for me started to happen when I, when I started doing oil painting on paper. So couple years ago i found the the arches oil paper and uh so i actually was like mixing like pencil with the oil paint um there's just something a different sort of a space that i think of when i draw as opposed to working on a canvas on a stretched canvas with linen and sort of texture on it i don't know i don't know how to describe it but it's more of like a you're sort of like drawing and pulling stuff out of the void as it were whereas like when i paint i always think of i'm sort of like covering something up Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to kind of try to like sort of assimilate those two like kind of either concepts or approaches to my painting. So the natural way to do it was like, why don't I just paint on paper mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and sort of draw into the into the paper and paint at the same time? So I think leads me to think of why I maybe separate them more now, like drawing and painting is that I. Uh, um, I teach, so I, I teach drawing and painting, and I just kind of think of them as sort of two separate activities now, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm drawing, you know, I draw the figure, or I'm trying to draw still life, or whether it's a demo or something like that. And uh, I don't know, maybe they're, I just, I kind of uh, categorize them differently in my mind, but I always kind of, um, kind of go back and forth between, you know, how to either assimilate drawing and painting or how to kind of keep those, those two things kind of separate. Well, and I'm curious too, when it comes to like the actual painting, then are you, how much layering is kind of going on? Are you, you know, working on paintings, you know, like one at a time, or are you working on, you know, switching them out every other time because you get kind of bored working on one and jump back to another one? It kind of varies. Like when I was doing the swamp ones, I would have like two or three going at the same time so that I could kind of rotate through and all of those were painted on site. So I would go to like different locations on different days of the week or whenever I had a sort of a painting day. So I kind of uh, had those in, in sort of a rotation. Now with the floral ones, what I've been doing is like kind of uh, painting them pretty much one I'll work on one and just kind of go straight through. So like with the still life ones where I've been setting up the mirrors, what I'll do is like, I'll either pick or go to the store and get flowers set up a still life, like on Monday. Mm -hmm. And by Friday, like those flowers are going to be dead or wilted. So I've got a window of about like five days that I have to like finish the painting. And they're, they're all relatively small. They're, you know, maybe 16 by 20 or 20 by 24. And I'll just kind of like work on them every day. Ideally, I like to work on a dry surface. So I would like to like do a session, a painting session would be two or three hours. And then I would, I would like it to be dry. You know, it doesn't always happen because sometimes the paint's a little thicker. There's a lot of humidity here um, and the paint doesn't dry as quick, but it kind of like, I guess the long answer is it it varies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. varies on, uh, you know, like I've got one that I started like two days ago and I'm going to probably paint this afternoon if we don't get rain and it rained yesterday. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to work on it. So I'm, I'm excited that it'll be dry. Um, ideally I would like to work 
on a dry surface like that, just so it's not like kind of mixing with, you know, I'm not painting on something that's wet underneath where it's kind of mixing together with another color mm-hmm. kind of separate it. And are, are there particular materials that you're especially drawn to? Um, you know, cause I know again, artists that'll, you know, paint with anything. And then there's artists that are, you know, very specific. And, you know, when you're talking about, you know, working on linen, I would imagine maybe that's something then that you take very seriously. Are there particular paint brands that, um, you know, you're really fond of? I know this is all you uh, know, pain, painter talk, but. Oh yeah, I can totally geek out to <laughs> the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the painter gear or whatever. No, I've been, uh, my palette hasn't changed too much since, since I, uh, started painting in undergrad. So, I got about a dozen colors. Sometimes I'll add a couple more. Uh, I've been, you know, I started adding uh, a couple of years ago when I was doing the interiors here, I started adding cadmium orange just because I couldn't get this like, you know, this super saturated like uh, glow of like this sort of wood that I was painting in that's in my house. So I, I had to get like, you know, those cadmium colors are just, uh, you know, they kind of jump off the palette at you. Um, so I kind of use like a mix of like a sort of chromatic colors and sort of earth colors. But I really like um, the Williamsburg paints. I've been I've been kind of using those, and uh, Michael Harding's good, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess I <laughs> I kind of have my set like sort of brands that I use. Some certain colors are specific to a certain brand. Like I always get the I always get the old Holland um, lead white the Kremnitz white and I always get the old Holland like cadmium lemon yellow. I just, I don't know. I just think it's a really kind of pure saturated pigment, but I do like the, uh, I sort of like the creaminess of the, the Williamsburg paints. Um, and as far as like a medium, I don't kind of experiment too much. I, uh, I pretty much use that sort of traditional mix of the five parts turpentine, one part tomorrow, one part stand oil. And, uh, I do like get some, some copal medium that tends to make it dry a little quicker. Uh, mm-hmm. It does have a little bit of a sheen to it, which I don't like if you use too much of it, but that kind of gets me to the point where the stuff will be kind of tacky the next day, um, depending on the humidity and stuff like that. I like, you know, it gets so damn hot here in the summer <laughs> that I, I tend to not, um, I kind of do my, my sort of plain air type work more in the spring and the fall and in the summer and the winter, uh, the summer, just cause it's too hot. I like to, you know, I'm getting kind of soft. I want to be in the air conditioning. So, <laughs> but, uh, it gets so, uh, it gets so hot here, which is, it's kind of good for having your paint dry outside, but I don't know, you know, when I was doing those swamp paintings, it was like once the mosquitoes came out in like June, I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Right, this, right. This, this series is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess I'm kind of curious, um, with regards to like, you know, what sets you off in terms of like a, a what's going to make a painting, you know, you kind of, I think kind of talk a little bit about some, you know, formal qualities in terms of your, your words about your work, but is that primarily what it is? You just kind of see this moment that's like, Oh, I got to paint this. Yeah. A lot of it is a, is a formal, is a formal element. I don't know. You know, a lot of it too is, is some of it's practical, you know, it's like, can I, I like to work from observation. So is it in a place where I can get back to and I can do a painting from like, I've had this idea in my mind for a couple of years now where I go to the beach a lot cause I don't live very far from it a couple of miles. So 
Um, my wife and I are big beach people. So I go there and I'm, and there's these, these long boardwalks that go through the sand dunes to get to the beach. And they have all these amazing like cattails and, and wildflowers and stuff. And I want to do a painting of it, like a really big one. And I've got this sort of, I've got an image in my mind of what I want the painting to be. I just have to kind of find it out there in the world that I can kind of sort of work from in front of it. And I don't know, it's, it's always one of those things that, and it's, it's a pain in the ass to co- kind of go out there with all your stuff, when, especially like a big canvas. But mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the wind and dealing with the sand and all that kind of stuff and the heat and, and that kind of stuff. So I'm searching for this 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 large sand dune painting that I want to do. But a lot of it is just sort of stuff like I see every day. Um, I'll be walking through my house and I'll kind of I'll just see kind of a scene. Right. And I'll I'll see it and. I'll just say that's a painting. You know, I remember a few years ago I did one of my daughter on the couch and I think I had started it without her in it, but she kind of sat down in the scene and then she sort of turned around and was watching me paint. And I, and I was like, that's the painting. That's what it needed. You know? So a lot of times they just sort of hit me that way. Sometimes they're I, again, I, I sort of stew over them and think about them like the swamp ones. I, it, I thought of that as, as kind of a motif a couple of years before I actually started doing the paintings. And, um, in the fall, I, I was doing this drawing of this big tree in a, in a cemetery. And I had, a, again, this idea to do this sort of painting in a cemetery with all the headstones and everything. I don't know. I thought it, it was kind of, I guess, kind of morbid, but um, I went there and I found this tree, you know, so that was kind of a couple years swimming around in my head. So I did a, a series of, um, four or five drawings of this big tree that had sort of been cut up and limbs chopped off. And it was in the midst of this beautiful old cemetery in Charleston. So it was kind of a nice, peaceful place to do some work. I think I was working on that last fall. And is that something how it normally happens? Like you kind of start observing something and then you're not really sure, you know, how it's going to be turned into this painting. But then six months later, you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is the exploration then. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I'll, I'll have to, I kind of always try to keep myself open to it changing, you know, like I don't, for the same reason that I don't want to uh, do a drawing or a study of something first and then sort of have that you know, translate that onto a canvas anymore and then kind of like work onto it. I wanted to sort of leave it a little bit open to some flux, you know, like who knows, maybe if I go to do this, if I find this perfect spot to do this, this painting of this dune in the beach, it might end up being a painting of something that's behind me that I I wasn't even thinking of painting. So I never really know until I kind of get there what it's going to turn into. I guess thinking about, you know, what's coming up for you in, in, say, like the next year or so, I mean, are there any, you know, big shows that you're kind of working towards or is it kind of mostly just a, a time where you're focused on making? Uh, no, I don't have anything coming up. I did show some drawings this past winter. I just picked up a drawing, came back from a show that was at the Manifest Gallery in Ohio. So I got that back, which was kind of cool because I, I never really show my drawings. Um, and then there was another show that I was in. A couple months ago at uh, Wright State, uh, drawing from perception, which was kind of cool because I, you know, I, I showed drawings, which I, like I said, I don't normally show those. They're kind of, uh, I don't know, they're not really like private, but they're just sort of like, you know, I've got like a flat file full of uh, 
you know, hundreds of drawings that never really see the light of day. Mm -hmm. They just sort of exist in my studio, but, um, I don't have anything coming up, any kind of shows. Uh, so I'm just going to work for the next couple of weeks and we're kind of entering summertime. I'm doing, I'm traveling a little bit. Um, so my summer schedule's a little bit, uh, you know, I won't have as much time to paint. I, I tend to, um, when I travel, I'll either, I'm trying something new. I'm going on a, in a trip in a couple of weeks to Alaska on a cruise. So I'm bringing a bunch of, uh, gouache and some sketchbooks and I'll try to do that. I've traveled with my oil paints and stuff uh, to different locations and that works out, but I, I'm not going to bring my oil paint this time, but, um, I'll do, try to do some painting when I get back in about a month. We usually spend some time in Asheville, um, and I'll, I'll do some painting out there and, um, yeah, that's it. Before I know it, my kids will be back in school and, um, you know, I definitely, I, I teach also at the College of Charleston, so I don't know what my schedule is, but I usually got two or three classes every semester, and then that, that will kind of dictate my studio time. I don't know. I don't know what I'll be doing <laughs> next as far as a series, but uh, uh, I'll keep you posted. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you know, we were talking a bit, you know, because um, I, you know, obviously just recently got back from uh, Paris, and yeah. you know, we are talking all about, you know, those those kind of travel experiences and life experiences kind of finding their way in the studio. So I would imagine, yeah. you know, there's something, you know, very interesting that could be, you know, pulled from being in Alaska. You know, for me, it's, oh, yeah. it's always those big shifts in environment for me that I'm like, wow, this place looks totally different. Yeah, I might be painting glaciers when I get back. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But I'm sure, sure it'll be. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm very excited. I mean, I just love being out in nature. So, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely that will that will feed into uh, my studio practice somehow. Sure. And I guess before we get out of here, I just want to um, ask if you could just remind everyone uh, where they can find your work, your website, you know, Instagram, all that good stuff. Yeah. So uh, if you go to my name, which is Francis Sills, Francis with an I. That's my Instagram handle. You go to my website, which is also just my name, francissills.com. That'll have links to um, my work that's in galleries, uh, Kenise Barnes Fine Art and Horton Hayes Fine Art um, in Charleston here. And I try to keep my website up to date. You know, I'll, I'll kind of add new images once or twice a year. But if you really want to see, I try to post stuff on Instagram pretty frequently and I'll do even I've been getting into like doing just like process shots you know so I'll you know even with the uh the new sort of uh what do you call the story with the video where you can kind of like do process shots I I think that's kind of cool I don't know I'm trying to be a little bit more open and (laughs) technologically savvy you know not I don't I don't I don't think of I'm like not very sort of secretive artist as it were, you know, I kind of just like to sort of put stuff out there. And I think that's kind of one of the gifts of social media is being able to see, you know, sort of opens up our world to kind of see other people's work and other kind of getting a glimpse into artists' studios and processes and stuff like that. So yeah, it's like this virtual studio, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. So, well, again, uh, very cool talking to you about your work and, you know, very excited to have you on, uh, barring the circumstances. Um, yeah, Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I, um, I've, like I said, I've listened to your podcast. Yours is on my roster of things that I listen to in my studio when I'm in here and, uh, can hook up my hook up to my speaker and all that. Listen. So I'm, I'm uh, very pleased and honored that you asked me. 
Thanks once again to Francis for joining me. Make sure to go check out Francis's website, francissills.com, and also make sure to follow him on Instagram and check out what he's got going on on a day-to-day there. I do want to encourage any students to apply to our 2018 student competition. Once again, that is open to all currently enrolled or recently graduated undergraduate and graduate-level studio artists. You can find the information right there on studiobreak.com under our student competition. Once again, the process is quite simple. You submit a web link or 10 images and an artist statement as a PDF and a small fee, and you are set. This year's juror is Brian Frank of Raka or Rural America Contemporary Art. He's also a wonderful artist and painter, and we're very excited to have him select three artists from each of those categories, undergraduate and graduate, for a total of six to be featured on Studio Break. So if you want to share your work, please apply today and let anyone else know that might be interested to get their applications in. And just a reminder that our deadline is May 31st. And, of course, if you like the podcast while you're there, I do encourage that you check out some of our archived episodes that you might have missed. Again, each of our artists have images of their work featured on Studio Break, along with these candid interviews, which you can listen to right there on the default player, or you can hit that iTunes link and subscribe to the podcast there. So please do that. Of course, we'd love it if you help spread the word about things like our competition or even just this podcast via our social media accounts. So please like our Facebook page, you can follow our Twitter account at Studio Break and our Instagram account at Studio underscore Break. As always, I'd like to thank Skylar Mail, who provides the music to Studio Break. You can check out his artwork at SkylarMail.net. If you'd like to see some of my paintings, please visit DavidLinaway.com and be sure to follow me on Instagram and uh, Twitter at DavidLinaway. You can also find me on Facebook, and of course, it's always great to hear from artists and listeners, so please feel free to hit us up on social media, say hello. I do want to thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. We'll talk to you real soon.